Okay, this is Gary Parrish again from CBSSports.com again, and let me welcome you to the Ion College Basketball Podcast again, which is now brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio for a free trial and 10% off. Go to Squarespace.com slash CBS Sports and use the offer code FUN. That's FUN at Squarespace.com slash CBS Sports. All right, let's get into it. What a... A wild weekend in college basketball. Wichita State, of course, finished the regular season undefeated. For Virginia won the ACC by blowing out Syracuse. Uh, Xavier beat Creighton. Memphis beat Louisville. VCU beat St. Louis. UConn beat Cincinnati. Kansas State beat Iowa State. Illinois beat Michigan State. Oklahoma beat Texas. Oklahoma State beat Kansas. And we're going to get to most, if not all, of that in a bit. But uh, I think probably, and I didn't talk to Jeff Brazella and Matt Norlander about this in advance, but I still think probably uh, the place to start is the biggest story of the weekend. It's Kentucky's loss at South Carolina after John Calipari got ejected. The nation's uh, preseason number one team now has four losses outside of the top 50, and including a loss uh, to a South Carolina team that's 179th in the RPI. Uh, Matt Norlander, Jeff Borzella are both with me here on this Monday. Norlander, I'll start with you. Uh, what are we to make of uh, our preseason number one team in the country? Yeah, how about that? Um, how about yet? that? How yeah. about that? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, just think think back. Think back to when we did that. And <laughs> you know what? I swear to God, I'm never going to fall for this again. Like, I... I I did think Kentucky would be like a top two team this year. Gottlieb got killed for picking him seventh, like right. killed. We might have even mocked him personally on this podcast. Oh, I think for... I, I I don't know if oh, I, no I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know if I mocked him to his face. I certainly did it behind his back. And uh, and he wasn't he wasn't correct either. I mean, he overshot it totally as well. Um, so uh, let's just keep that in mind going forward. I guess I I wrote this briefly on Saturday night. I mean, I wrote that they lost and kind of injected a little bit of a opinion into the into the story on cbssports.com and, and that's if you think this is as bad as it can get for Kentucky let's not assume that because last year at a four, about four different points we thought the Wildcats had hit the bottom of the barrel only to uh to scrape it down even further so this is an issue obviously um and there's a lot of stuff that surrounds it and the uh I think the 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 piece of 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 Sports literature that uh, got the biggest reaction over the weekend was actually our friend Pat Forty from Yahoo Sports posted a column on Sunday that basically asked a bunch of questions uh, to John Calipari that he uh, wants answered because Cal did not speak to the media afterward because he got ejected. You know, at first he untucked his shirt, then he got ejected from the game and then afterward uh that's usually the, the way it goes by the way in my own personal life as well i untuck my shirt and yeah. and and then the next step is usually to get thrown out of somewhere yeah usually that is that is a rule of life once you go full untuck on the dress shirt whatever comes afterward is usually not that gracious or prideful but um so he doesn't answer the post-game press conference questions because he never was there to show because he was on radio. Uh, this creates a little bit of a mini uproar from local media, obviously, because of that's all BS, by the way. You know, you can like every yeah. coach in America has radio shows after literally oh, yeah. every coach yeah, in America exactly. after games. Just so we're clear, I know you guys know, but for for people listening who maybe aren't uh, as in tune with the way the post-game stuff works, I believe 
every coach in America has post-game local radio duties, and they all still somehow show up at the press conference. So if you use and, – and by the way, the media, they ain't going anywhere. All right, so like you could like I I've waited for coaches for forty five minutes before, oh, yeah. but the idea that you wouldn't speak to the media after a game because of post game radio duties is just I'll say this as nicely as I can, it's a lie, it's a lie, it's an excuse, None, yeah. it, it, nothing more, nothing less. Well, and then so just uh, so that created an uproar, and then you know uh, Kentucky realized that wasn't really totally acceptable, so then this bizarre I assume we all got the bizarre email with the four quick quotes from Cal uh, from uh, UK athletics, which he then tweeted out the same exact quotes. Um, and now this is, listen, when you look at Kentucky, uh, if you want to talk seating, that's fine. I mean, honestly, they're probably like a seven when you really look at what they have. And maybe that's generous, honestly, when you look at their resume. Um, but overall, what do we attribute to this? Why can't a team that is this good, that has players that, you know, we all saw at the AU level, Borzella saw a ton. We saw how good they are, and yet they just aren't clicking. The The tide is not turned against Calipari by any means, um, but it can and it will if it keeps going down this path. But it it is interesting to me that a team with this much obvious talent, okay, clearly is not even close to gelling. Um, and when you look at it, like Randall is the only guy that you would look at this Kentucky team and say, okay, he really should go. No one else. And I love James Young's game. I think he can get a lot better, but no one else on Kentucky by any means is, has stepped up and proven that they're even, uh, worthy of, of being a one and done player at this point. Well, uh, let me say this first. I, I think, uh, uh Sometimes these are two different conversations, like worthy of being like good enough to go or good yes, enough to get know, drafted. Yeah. You know, like if if they all want to go, they'll all get the Harrisons. I don't know where they'd get picked. I think they'd be second round picks at best. Yeah. Um, but James Young would be a first round pick. Julius would be a first round pick. Uh, yeah, Willie Collie Stein's obviously a, a top twenty type guy. I, I think Dakari Johnson would get picked somewhere late right, first round. Right, but I'm just saying yeah. as a collector. No, I no, I, I'm with you. How average this team look it just i don't i honestly can't figure out why it's happening like this for a second straight well, year well let, 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 let's talk to borzello for a second because he we all saw these kids on the aau circuit he jeff borzello saw them more than than any of us um were, were they overrated did the talent evaluators miss on these kids I still don't think so. I mean, from what they were in high school, they were still. I mean, they were what they. I mean, they were still top five, top ten kids. All of them. I mean, Randall I was was there. Harrison, both Harrisons were there. James Young was there. Dakari Johnson, you know, he was a top fifteen guy. So to me, they weren't overrated in high school. They, I mean, they they were that good. That's what they were. But to me, they just don't like playing with each other, and it seems to be just affecting everyone. I mean. They were all the star in high school, and you, know, you could say that about a lot of teams. But with this team, they all want the ball. Um, and we've seen it, you know, throughout the year that the Harrisons want to be the guys, and James Young wants to be the guy. Julius Randle probably should be the guy, but you know, there, there's, you know, the old adage is only one ball, and that's the kind of thing with Kentucky, and and they don't seem to have any chemistry offensively. There's a lot of finger pointing, bad body language, and you know, when you when you factor that into into a team, you know, that that has kind of a, a slim margin for error, um, you know, the talent is not coming out, and I, I don't think we've seen any of these guys play like they were in high school. But to me, you know, if you look back, they were still, if, 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 you know, if I had to do it again, I would still rank it the same way. It would still have all these kids in the top 10, 
just because that's how good they were in high school. There's no question. I, I get so frustrated when you know a, a team doesn't end up being what it was supposed to be. Like I tweeted Saturday night, you know, like Kentucky's going to end up being uh, the biggest disappointment in the country for the second straight year. People are like, well, they're only a disappointment because you said they were supposed to be preseason number one, as if like I did it by myself. Um, uh, let, let's be On you, Gary. I'm let's, sorry to say it. Let's be clear about a, a couple of things. Yes, I thought they'd be preseason number one. So did most of the media. You know who else did? The coaches. Coaches. Yeah. All right. Now, you, now, if you want to say that the media is stupid, we don't know basketball. That's fine. But how do you explain the coaches then? Because yeah. the coaches poll looked just like the the AP poll. All right. Beyond that, John Calipari thought they would be the number one team in the country. So if you want to call all us, you know, oh, we overrated them. Well, then John did as well. Beyond that, um, okay. So maybe the Harrisons aren't as good as we thought. But James Young's better than we thought, probably, isn't he? I mean, uh, I mean. He's been a star. I mean, like he's been really good. I think James Young has probably been better than most people thought he'd be. I, I, whatever, whether he was overrated, underrated, I don't know. But he's probably exceeded personal expectations. We did, we did the the coaches, we the candid coaches back in the summer, back right. in August, and we asked, you know, whatever many coaches, would this Kentucky team be closer to the 2012 title team or the yeah. 2013 NIT team? Eighty-seven percent of the title. Well, okay, team. and right. what are we? By the way, can we just get a quick verdict on that? Like. What do we think? Close to the NIT team, right? I, oh, uh, I, at this point, I, I, I mean, I mean, they just lost to South Carolina on Saturday night, yeah. so let's go close to the NIT team. So, like, if 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 you want to say that the media was wrong again about Kentucky, that's fair. Like, it's undeniable at this point we were all wrong, but so was everybody else. John Calipari, the coaches who voted the coaches poll, the coaches who talked to us uh, in the summer about um, about the the possibilities for this Kentucky team, everybody had them pegged wrong. Now, if you want to say that the Harrisons aren't as good as as they were supposed to be, that's fine. Um, but they were overrated, fair, I guess. I mean, I, I, I think more likely they're just not good teammates as opposed to good talents, uh, but, but whatever. But Julius Randle has been spectacular. James Young is probably um, individually better than I think most anticipated. And regardless, let's tell, hold an NBA draft tonight. Who gets picked? Julius, James Young, the Harrisons probably go in the second round somewhere. Willie Colley Stein goes in the lottery, probably. Dakari Johnson probably gets picked. Uh, Poitras probably, probably gets picked somewhere. Here's my point. Are, are you can we can say that they the guy the, the players aren't as good, the class was overrated, whatever. Who has more draft picks if we hold a draft tonight than, than Kentucky? Who would, honestly? No one. No so, one. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So, so like, so what is so? And then, oh, so what's the other excuse? Okay, fine. They're talented, but young. Okay, young. What do you mean young? Well, well, like, look like at their Kansas. roster. <laughs> yeah, Kansas. Four of their top six are freshmen. Four of the top six players at Kansas are freshmen. So, what is the excuse? You can't say they're too young and you can't win like that because Kansas is doing it right now. You can't say that they're not that talented because they're probably still on a player-by-player -player basis, more talented than anybody else in the country. You can't say that the media overrated them because, again, the coaches overrated. To Everybody rated them the same way. Like, everybody in the business of rating things. The people who typically, by the way, get this stuff pretty right, you know, or at least pretty good at this. Like, every whoever it is you're into, whoever you respect as a raider, uh, rated Kentucky about the same way. So, like, again, to, to me, the excuses are out the window. Like, at some point, um, you are just a disappointment relative to what you were supposed to be and, and what you should be. And Kentucky at this point is undeniably a disappointment.
And so how much, I mean, is, is, are we getting up to a point where Cal is not really getting a pass because he doesn't deserve a pass? I mean, I listen, I've been, I, I know of Kentucky fans that are getting kind of sick of this. And, and it's interesting because they just won the title in 2012 and all that stuff. But when you've, got, uh, when you've got a coach that talks the talk like Cal does, and normally he can walk the walk, but when they, when they struggle like this, you know, he's 40 and 22, uh, which is not a standard that's acceptable at Kentucky, uh, certainly when you're bringing in the kind of players he has. I mean, honestly, how much more of this until there's uh, a real continual aggressive backlash toward Calipari? Oh, I think we're there now. Um, I think we're there. Yeah. I still feel like I still feel like while Kentucky fans are unsatisfied if you did one of those, you know, Harris polls or, or oh, whatever, like with the president, yeah. I think he'd be I still think he'd be well above fifty percent. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. We we might be talking two different things then. Like I, I think he's facing a backlash. Do I think they want to replace him and, and go try to hire Shaka Smart? No. You know, like nor should they. You know, like you know, he he's terrific at running a basketball program. But I, I don't think you get a pass any more than anybody else would get a pass. You know, you and you know, when we Talk about, I don't know, let's just say Rick Barnes over the past couple of years. And, he, you know, he says, um, listen, well, we've had guys transfers and we got had guys leave early. And, you know, we missed on some recruits for whatever reason. People say, like, listen, man, I, this is your program. We don't care why it's, it's dipped to a place it shouldn't dip. You know, it's on you. You're the guy in charge. And so do your job. And I, I, don't, I don't know if people put it exactly that way, but that's sort of the response to any time a coach is, almost any time a coach is um, going through something that, that he or, or most people who follow the sport didn't think he'd have to go through. Uh, you, know, the, the, you know, using the things as excuses that, particularly the ones John's trying to use excuses. Like, I can buy the young thing on some level. Like, I, I, I get that it's hard to, to coach a bunch of freshmen, but it, don't tell me it can't be done because I, I'm watching it be done in Lawrence, Kansas right now. You got a possible number one seat for the top six players uh, are freshmen, and they've played the toughest schedule in the country as opposed yeah. to, you know, the NSCC schedule, which is the opposite of the toughest. Uh, I, I, it, it, so when John says things like, you know, well, these kids, they're just, uh, you know, I got to get them to play for themselves. Well, well, like he he says it in a way that where it almost sounds like, hey, what do you want me to do? I mean, I, I got a bunch of guys who are selfish. Well, well, they're they're the guys you handpicked, like li- like almost literally handpicked. And and they're the guys that you thought were going to go win a national championship, and, and 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 either way, it's your job to change them. That's what you always talk about. We got got bad habits, but I'm here to change them. I will not bend. Well, well, then change them. It's March third. You know, change them. And so I I just don't think. Again, I'm not ready to fire John Calipari or anything like that. Nor right. should anybody. But I, it's undeniable that this falls on him, doesn't it, Porzella? I think so. I mean, if you look at obviously look at Kansas and everyone, I think Kentucky just doesn't have a leader. But it's not like Kansas has these uh, a slew of upperclassmen that are carrying a load. I mean, Nadir Tharp's the only upperclassman in the starting lineup. I just think that Self got these guys to buy in to their roles right off the bat, and Calipari never did that. I, I mean, it seemed you know Wayne Selden was a five star top ten guy coming out of high school. He's I mean, maybe the fourth option offensively. You've never you've never seen him. You know, bad body language or, you know, pointing fingers at people. and He's got Wiggins, the best body language. Right. He's terrific. And Wiggins is, I mean, Wiggins went through some slumps and he never seemed to get down. And, you know, you can go down the line with Kansas. But to me, Kentucky, those guys never had roles to buy into. It was just, you know, we have four top five, top ten kids. And, you know, we have more talent than everyone. We're going to go out and win games. And it seems that never the roles were never defined. 
and it, it's been an issue chemistry wise. You know, you know, like I said, everyone thinks that they should be the guy, and you know, no one's really stepped forward and been a leader because you know the only up the only other non freshman on the team are Collie Stein and Alex Poitras, and to me, you know, they don't seem like leader. The ideal leaders in terms of experience and stuff like that. They really do look like Norlander. They're headed for that eight nine game. You know, like they they they. I know that in the in the Jerry Palm's bracketology right now, I think they were a six as recently as yesterday. Yeah. Maybe they're a seven or so in the update. I, I don't like. Listen, Jerry's the best at this, so I'm not here to try to debate Jerry's bracket. I don't understand how you can look at Kentucky's resume and see a six seed, which is essentially top 24 in the country. Like, I, I don't I don't get that. But assuming they they don't win in Gainesville, and there's no reason right. at this point to think they're going to win in Gainesville, like, they're just not going to have the quality wins to keep, you know. Um, I joked almost after the Arkansas loss, they're going to be the most talented nine seed in history, but they really might be headed that direction, right? They are absolutely headed in that direction. I mean, if they, you know, let's just, let's look forward a little bit. So they'll... They should win at home over Bama Tuesday, okay? Should. And then they should lose at Florida. Um, and if they don't reach the SEC title game, they're going to take another loss against a team that's, you know, bubble at best to make the tournament. I, I don't see in that situation how you can have them a seven or better. They just don't have... They don't have the, the resume. Bad. They, the resume they don't have the resume that uh, at all. No, no, absolutely. It's 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 not that good. Um, the Louisville win and Louisville's inclusion in the non-con is really their saving grace. And even Louisville, which obviously is a solid team, uh, we know that their their schedule top to bottom isn't isn't immaculate as well. So. Um, It'll be interesting. Uh, a weird, freaky part of me wants Wichita State and Kentucky <laughs> in a second round, round of 32 matchup because uh, I would be so intrigued by that. And I posed the question real quick. So if they played tomorrow on a neutral, I, I what do we think the Vegas line would be? I, I, I think the average or so when I got the, the response back was Wichita State by four and a half. Do you guys think it'll be a, a, that a little higher, a little lower? What we well, think? I can tell you exactly what it is, uh, what it would be, if you give me a second to look here. But Wichita okay. State would definitely be favored. And I think Wichita State would I think, I think think Wichita State would handle them like, yeah. pretty, pretty easily. I think so, too. Um, you know, it's just it, – it, it, it would be – it would represent everything uh, people who lo- hate – certain aspects of college basketball and love certain aspects of college basketball. It would represent all of that. You know, a, a team of mostly unheralded guys playing well together, great college basketball players. Maybe none of them are NBA guys uh, against a bunch of individuals who can't form a good team. I mean, it would have all these great storylines. So let's see. At, at, at Sagarin, Wichita would be a one-point favorite over a, Kentucky. Yeah, one-point favorite over Kentucky is exactly wow. right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh man. Yeah. You know what? I would hate, I hate You'd for hate Wichita if play Kentucky in a one eight, because that's a game like, you know, I saw Kentucky a few weeks ago down in Oxford. I've seen them a billion times this year. Um, but when they, when they turn it on now, here's what we know at this point. Let's, I want to be clear. I don't want to start talking about when they turn it on, like they're going to flip a switch and suddenly be the best team in the country next week. It's March 3rd. You know, they kind of are what they are. Um, so I don't think they're going to be able to turn it on and, and make a run to, you know, four five, six straight wins to win a national t- whatever it is. But, but they could turn it on for 20 minutes at a time or 30 minutes at a time, maybe even 35 minutes at a time. And when they do that, they, they can just physically overwhelm you. So I, um, to me, that would be – I think Wichita can handle most of the, quote, eight seed type teams. 
Um, but Kentucky's would be the one that if I were a one seed, I'd be scared of regardless because yeah. they at least you look across and you go, all right. By definition, we have a better team than they have. Um, we've we've been that way for the past four months because otherwise we wouldn't be the one and they wouldn't be the eight. But they still probably got better players. It's very rare for a one seed to look at an eight seed and go. We are outmanned, but whoever the one seed is looking at Kentucky, if in theory Kentucky was an eight, would look across the court and go, "We're outmanned tonight. We had the better team, but we're outmanned." And I just, I wouldn't. At this point, I am rooting for Wichita. I don't even mind saying as as much as I've rooted for anything because I hate the backlash. And I'm not. Let me be clear. I'm not really rooting for Wichita as much as I'm rooting against the people who are. Are rooting against Wichita, which means it, I'm, it gets worse every week. By right, the way. it gets worse like, every I, week. I, I'm I'm beginning to flake skin with anger over this thing. Every, I mean, it is. So, yeah, so uh, I wouldn't. About, yeah. yeah, so I wouldn't want uh, Wichita to get involved in that game because they could just get outmanned, and then it, of course it would be an example of a mediocre Kentucky team ran off Wichita State. That's the team <laughs> yeah. you thought should be a one seed. I just would rather avoid that whole scenario. I hear, yeah, I know, I know. Um, that's kind of like a no-win situation because if they win, Kentucky sucked anyway, and they've been underachieving. Right, yeah, I hear it's you. just a, it's just a bad spot. Although um, I'm with you, I do think it it gets worse every single week, every single day. You know, um, you can't I, say one nice thing about Wichita at all. It's just there's a, there's a band of of a growing band of people that just come hammer so you. With weird, buddy. I'm like, oh my god, give it, it up. It is just weird, isn't it? Like it's it just is bizarre. It's this isn't a power. This isn't a school that's been around. This isn't Duke. It's Wichita it, State. Yeah, you know, like, like I, I was talking. I was actually I was talking to Bruce Pearl about this last week because he did the Wichita game midweek last week. I guess the win over Bradley, and he said it's it's really weird because like typically like Wichita State's the team that people root for, like rally around the underdog, and for some reason I I don't know what it is other than um it, it's fans of power conference schools who just refuse to acknowledge. That Wichita, I guess they want to hold on to something that we all accept as true, which is that they want to yell that Wichita State wouldn't be undefeated in the Big 12. Well, who says they would? Nobody. I, I, I don't know. Maybe somebody said they would, but nobody intelligent I know has said that they would. I, I just think the flip side of that's just as interesting. What, what team, whoever in the country, would be undefeated against Wichita State's schedule? Right. I don't think any of them. I don't think anybody look at the way that so many of these teams have lost games that they shouldn't basically is what is, is the argument that you prop up against that. I mean, well, I know this for a fact, (laughs) like if you, if you went by and and ran the projections of any team in America against Wichita's schedule, nobody would be projected by, by Kim Palm's computer or Sagarin computer or any of the smart computers that people like, none of them would be projected to finish undefeated against Wichita State's schedule. Doesn't Mm -hmm. mean they couldn't. I'm just telling you, none of them would be projected to do what Wichita State has actually done. And so if you want to be dismissive of that, then be, then be dismissive of that. But it sounds stupid to me. Yeah. Well, now, and now they get three games in the Valley. And we'll see if uh, if they can do what St. Joe's couldn't uh, and, and go wire to wire. Truly started the season till selection Sunday without you think, you think a loss. You think a Final Four is basically the only thing they can do to kind of no, quiet I, people? That's also, that's also silly. No, I, mean, I hate honestly, it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying they can do to quiet everyone. For, for the general public. Yeah, I yes, Porzello. I think yes, yeah, and I think yes. it's wrong. I hate yeah, it. I, I, it's completely wrong. I'm just... Uh, it's, it's the Final Four is extremely hard to do. I know. Dude, the four best teams don't make the Final Four every year. Dude, so. John yes, Wall and DeMarcus Cousins didn't make the Final Four. All right. And it doesn't mean that Kentucky team wasn't awesome. Like, I think you could argue that that Kentucky team was the best Kentucky team the Cows ever had. They lost in the Elite Eight because they had a bad night against Bob Huggins and 
and uh, West Virginia. Who's the little guard that Hugs put in the back to mess around with DeMarcus Cousins the whole night? Uh, was that Joe Missoula? Yeah, <laughs> I love that. The night Joe Missoula shut down DeMarcus Cousins. Gosh, that's crazy. And, that's so, and, and so, um, like, that kind of stuff happens. And, and so I, my thing, so I can say it as much as I want. It, it's not going to matter if they lose earlier than their seeds suggest they should lose, which is a Final Four, presumably. Uh, then folks are going to call them a fraud, which is fine, I guess, as long as you're willing to call everybody else who loses earlier than their seeds suggest a fraud. So if if Kansas loses early, if you want to call them a fraud as well, I I just think it's um the game's the game's stacked against them if you're going to um say anything less than a final four means Wichita State wasn't really good. The truth is, uh when we start this tournament, it's a series of forty minute basketball games, single elimination set up, and there are going to be a lot of teams that lose that fall short uh in the bracket relative to where their seeds suggest. Wichita State might be one of them. Um, but it will not mean that Wichita State wasn't really, really good, if not awesome this year. Although I, I recognize that, you know, on Twitter and other places where people um, with low IQs can scream a lot, uh, it, it, it'll, you know, we'll run into that. There's no question. So I think it's wrong, but I think Borzello's right. Anything less than a Final Four is going to lead to uh, people saying Wichita State was never that good anyway. Yeah. They're not going to be the only, they're not going to be the only number one seeds and not make the Final Four either. Like, oh no! All the all the number one seeds might miss the final four. Like yeah, I, yeah. I think I'm writing about this tomorrow. Um, the round of 32 games, I think, are mostly just going to be coin flip type games. Like, yeah. like, uh, like, and I mean all of them: one eights, two sevens, three sixes, four fives. I mean, I guess the four fives, three sixes are you typically, but the right. one eights are usually, you know, that like we know where that's going. Like, you know, you 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 sort of know how the one eights are going to go. If an eight or a nine beats a one, it is a huge deal because it is very rare. And this year, like, I, I don't think there's going to be much difference between. It's going to be it's going to be like Arizona, Memphis, or like VCU, Syracuse, or something like that, and you know. Right now, off the top yeah. of my head, those are kind of coin flip games. Yeah, Kentucky, like like Kentucky versus somebody. Yeah, yeah, like Arizona is better than Memphis, and Syracuse is better than VCU. But it wouldn't be the craziest thing you've ever seen if no. Memphis beat Arizona or or VCU beat Syracuse. I just think, um, um, yeah, like how about this? Like usually in a year, you there are like a, a, a there's at least one, maybe two or three teams that you go, man, if they don't end up in the Final Four, I'll be surprised. Like that Cousins Wall team. Or the Davis Gilchrist team, or last year's Louisville team, Louisville team yeah. two thousand nine Carolina. Is there a single team in the country that if they weren't in the Final Four, you'd be surprised? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I, I, for for a second, maybe Florida, but like it's not like they're uh, running roughshod over everyone. So like, if they don't make the Final Four, I wouldn't be. Yeah. No, I don't. You know, I don't expect shot. anyone. Yeah, no, not at all. There, uh, there's nobody. Nobody, uh, and that's okay. By the way, I mean that just adds certain, you know. Oh, I think it's going to be terrific. It's going to be fun. There's, yeah, there's something to be said for for having a team or two that's that's really awesome, clearly dominant, and uh, has proven itself, and you kind of want them to be in the final four. But you know what? Like, there are plenty of teams this year that are, that are capable of getting to it, and that uh, that element of, of mystery and chaos I think always helps uh, the NCAA tournament, at least from my perspective. Um, and now, by the way, like, okay, so. Uh, Wichita's going to get a one, most likely. Florida's going to get a one. Uh, Arizona's kicking ass. Yeah, I think uh, they're headed for a one. They're, yeah, I mean, they would have to really drop off. So credit to them, by the way, because I think most of us thought that uh, they weren't a title contender. I know I did. And, and that's not proven to be the case whatsoever, even though they lost Brandon Ashley for the year. But that fourth one now, we, we've got an interesting pot because 
Syracuse, uh, according to some, is still projected as a one. I think does Palm still have him as a one? Yes. The, yeah. So so Palm still got him as a one, but Kansas, I think Lunardi has Kansas as a one. So it's either of those. But then you still got the possibility that actually Wisconsin, if it, it were to win the Big Ten tournament because of its its overall top thirty RPI wins, its its road wins, I think it's got the most road and neutral combined wins in the country. It's got eleven or twelve, and I believe eleven. Yep. That They're is eleven and two. I think that's more than anyone in the nation. Um, and uh, and Virginia, not a great non-com, but if it ran the table and won the ACC tournament, which seems like kind of a long shot, but if it did it, we actually will have an interesting debate and conversation about that fourth number one seed uh, because we've got three or four candidates that could emerge. I think that's pretty interesting. I'm glad you brought up Virginia because I wanted to ask you about them. They obviously clinched the ACC title uh, over the weekend and just a, a, a tremendous achievement for that school, for Tony uh, specifically. Um and but I I'll ask this: Are they the best team in the ACC, or are they no. just the ACC champs? If you talk about a team that can, who's going to go the furthest in the tournament or whatever, I think they're probably still behind Duke and Syracuse. I mean, I think they're a deserved champion despite the unbalanced schedule. I just don't think, you know, in the NCAA tournament, I don't think they're going to go the furthest of any ACC team. And I don't think they're the, you know, you know, if it, on a neutral court, if you had a bracket today, I'd pick. Duke and Syracuse past Virginia. Because sometimes people have a hard time, like, making sense of this. Like, Virginia's the ACC champs. How could you have them ranked, you know, behind Syracuse and Duke or whatever? Um, they, I don't want to say that they couldn't have won the ACC with, with a balanced schedule. I, I have no idea. Perhaps they would have just blown out everybody the way they're blowing out everybody now. Uh, but, but they won the ACC with an unbalanced schedule and, a, and a, a pretty significant unbalanced schedule. I think it was Laura Keeley, the Duke beat writer, who pointed it out last week. Um, she tweeted that Virginia, the top seven in the ACC, Virginia didn't have to play any of them twice, none of them twice. Well, um, so that doesn't mean that they wouldn't have won the ACC if they did, but it means that they, they won the ACC when they didn't, and, and that matters. And so um, I, I just think sometimes uh, fans have a, a, a hard time wrapping their head around the idea that the conference champion doesn't necessarily mean you're the best in the conference. And um, I, I think that this is, pro is probably the case in the ACC. It might be the case in the Big Ten as well. Yes. Um, Virginia definitely got a, a, a break with the way the ACC fell. It does still have a two-game lead. Um, so it, there is a benefit to what their, their league schedule was, and I think that has helped them uh, win the league. I don't think it means necessarily they're not the best team. Uh, I'm not sure that it's not the best team, to be honest. Um, I'm not sure either. How about this? Let me rephrase that. They might be the best team right now. They don't have the best resume. They do not have the best resume. And they since they since they clearly lack anything resembling C.J. Fair, Tyler Ennis, Jabari Parker, I think we're also less likely to say that they are an elite team. But um, saw the stat posted over the weekend. Uh, not that this is a, a, a stat that means a ton, but I thought it was interesting. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon is the only player in the ACC that scored in double digits every game. Um, well, you mentioned the stars, and like to me, I mean, Syracuse, they can't overcome bad nights from Fair and Ennis. Duke can't overcome bad nights from Parker and, and Rodney Hood. Virginia... You know, Joe Harris is probably considered their best player, and he was—he yeah. didn't play well against yeah. uh, Syracuse over the weekend. They still won by 19. So yeah, to me, a, I mean, a, they, yeah. have, they have underrated talent to me. They do, because, like, Mike Toby is a sophomore, and he'll be awesome next year. He's, he's a solid player. He got a little bit better this year. So I like overall what they have. 
Um, I can't believe that it had been, and this speaks to Duke and Carolina in the league, I guess. I just, I, I didn't realize that it had been since 81, and that was the only other time Virginia won the ACC outright, that it won the title. And, uh, and Tony, <laughs> Tony Bennett, by the way, he, uh, he said that the atmosphere in there rivaled when he saw a Taylor Swift concert at John Paul Jones Arena, which is great, by the way. I, on the recruiting trail last year, uh, I sat with Tony for, for about 20 minutes talking general music stuff. He has got quite the eclectic taste i won't uh i won't you know out him on some of his other interests but he is he is not listening to the same stuff as his player so i thought that was too funny that he had brought that up is he a ta- he's a taylor swift fan exactly yeah apparently so and, i don't and, uh, mind taylor swift like taylor swift has like she's a she's a star she and she has uh like like hits like i don't mind like if a, taylor, if a taylor swift song comes on the radio like i don't i don't listen to the radio to, to to, to probably to a station too often, lest my son's in the car, where I, I, I'd I stumble into a Taylor Swift song. But I'm never offended by a Taylor Swift song. She writes perfectly reasonable songs, doesn't she? I, I guess. Yeah, I, guess I, would, I would defend I Taylor have, Swift. I have a buddy who unironic, like 32-year-old, craft beer-loving, unironically loves Taylor Swift, and I'm like, I don't get That's it. not weird to me. Like, I, like, I don't... I, she puts out some good songs, man. She, she She's like a... She's, you know, I don't know if she has help in songwriting. I think she's acknowledged that she does, but whatever. Like her name's on them, and 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 I'm sure she gets the publishing. Uh, uh, she 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 writes good songs. Like I like. I'll, the, I'll still take Katy Perry any day of the week, but that's she played she played a guitar banjo, and it was, I'm saying if you're gonna play banjo, you got to go all the way. That's all. So that's my only that's my only deal. With you're her. nitpicking her. Hey, listen, that's I, right. I, you know what? I am nitpicking. How about this? How about this? For all of the female pop stars, Katy Perry included. I, I think she's the most ta- like most talented of them. Hmm. I mean, I, I I like Katy Perry. I think she. No, I, think she about puts, I don't get the. Katie we we talked about this on the on the Grammy podcast. I don't get Katy podcast. Perry either. I mean, I get I get why she's super famous. Like, I mean, I got eyeballs. Like, I understand. She smash hits. No, I smash hits. I know she has smash hits. I don't like that. Uh, that that what what's the stupid song where she has the eye of the tiger. Like yeah, that's, that, 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 that song. That's, we're not gonna get into that song. That song is terrible. That's, stinks. That song's terrible. That's, that song stinks. That song stinks. But it's that. It's nothing but smash hits. No, that's a smash hit. No, that that is, I think that might be her biggest hit ever, Borzello. Yeah, like I remember, like she was at the VMAs or something, and they were like, "And Katy Perry's gonna perform, you know, her biggest hit ever." And I'm like, "Cool, let's like I, I want to see Katy Perry's biggest hit ever." Um, so, and then, and I had never heard that song before and she played, and I'm like, really, that's her biggest hit ever. Cause like, I, if you wanted me to like come up with Katy Perry hits, I could come up with a Katy Perry hit. Right. But they wouldn't be that one. Like, I hate that. That song's terrible. <laughs> Isn't I it? I, I think I kissed the girl might've been her biggest hit. That song was uh, a banger back in like 08. It was a banger, huh? That song okay. was a banger. <laughs> so who is the? Who I defend the, Taylor Swift. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Like I'm not. I'm not running around listening fine. to Taylor you Swift. Now span a season where you've defended Taylor Swift and Nickelback on the podcast, and it's uh, it's a banger. Oh, yeah, you love Nickelback. I forgot. I do not love Nickelback. I was trying to tell you that the idea that that, that everybody that the consensus opinion on Nickelback is that they're the worst band in the world is a, is a little cliche at this point. Like people only say it because they hear other people say it. Nickelback's not not genuinely overwhelmingly the worst band in the world. I don't own any Nickelback albums. I don't listen to Nickelback. And, and let me be clear, I prefer Taylor Swift to Nickelback. But I would uh, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I listen, I defend Taylor Swift. I I I would uh I like if like she packs stadiums. You know how many people in the in the year 2014 could pack stadiums? 
She's yeah. one of them. She's on that you list. Know, there's something to be, I, I get you. There's something to be said for it. Uh, so, okay. <laughs> I was going to ask who the Katy Perry of college basketball was, but it was like really good, but we don't, or really popular, but we don't really get why, but I guess that doesn't make any sense. Hey, uh, <laughs> I appreciate the effort though, Norlander. Yeah, 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 whatever. Hey, so real quick, we talked about coaches acting like idiots and the NBA coaches don't allow it. And then Teddy Valentine stepped to Mick Cronin and they almost, you know, came to blows. Did we want to? touch on that at all yeah um listen mick got mick lost his mind right um and i i do think particularly uh after the bayheim incident it always takes you know something like that on a on a high profile stage to get a conversation started although um and and then so mick i i guess continues the conversation I, I, I'll say the same thing I said, you know, a couple weeks ago, which is uh, you, it's weird that coaches can just sit there and yell at officials nonstop the way that they do. And it's not just Mick or Jim Beheim. It's Mike Krzyzewski. It's it's Roy Williams. It's John Calipari. It's everybody. And I, I think that's something that that needs to be looked at. Like, you you know, I I often, you know, on one night sit courtside at a college basketball game and on the next night sit courtside at an NBA game and the there's a lot of things that are striking one, the shot making ability of the pros, as opposed to the college players, like every shot that college players yeah. miss, the pros just make them right. I mean, that, like, I, that's why I never understand college basketball fans who hate the NBA. Like I love the NBA and you know why? Because it's a vastly superior product. Like you can't create, um, the, the atmospheres and you can't create the, the NCAA tournament, you can't replicate that type of stuff. And there's, there's, there's nothing like sitting at Allen Fieldhouse or Cameron Indoor. You can't get that in an NBA arena. But the on-the-court product is just vastly superior. Like, it's not even close. Um, but So that, that's the most striking thing when you watch a college basketball game one night up close and then a pro game the next. The other thing is uh, the behavior of the coaches. Like, even the Greg Popoviches of the world, the guys that got all the juice, that can do whatever they want. Um, they do not berate officials on a a play by play basis, possession by possession basis, the way college basketball coaches do. So I, I think that's something that needs to be looked at. And um, if they start teeing up every coach who raises his voice consistently, um, I, I, it wouldn't and to change behavior. Just like they started calling the yeah. uh, the the fouls early this season to change behaviors, I'm fine with that. I think they also have to kind of um, the coaching box kind of just. Make well, that a, make that a real thing. I mean, yeah, I it's I, never I, been a real thing. Here's right. what I'm saying. I, I think all of that should be addressed this year. And if they change the rules, I will write a column saying good because it's just a bad look. Like, like there were college basketball coaches, coaches who cuss a referee every time he comes down the court, and referees run up and down the court. They're in front of you basically every 45 seconds, and and there are coaches who are questioning them every single possession. I, I think that's ridiculous, right? So I would change that. Put me in charge. I'm changing that. Now, all that said, um, Ted Valentine bowing up on Mick Cronin, he should be he oh, should gosh. be reprimanded for that. Yeah, like like you can't uh, whether you're an umpire in baseball or an official in basketball, uh, which are the two uh, I guess mainstream sports where you might in that role end up face to face with a manager or uh, a coach. Um, I get what somebody's yelling at you. You've got to be above it. Like you have to, you have to have a certain level of whatever. And for Ted to to like he bowed up on him. Like like yeah, he got like, his face and looked down on him. 
Yeah, and, and that's the other thing. Like Mick, for people who don't, and I guess you could tell from that, like Mick's a little guy. Like Mick's small. <laughs> Mick's smaller than I am. Like yes. you know, Mick Mick's shorter than I am. He's a tiny human being. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm now picturing Ted Valentine <laughs> stepping the Gary Parish. Yeah, no, but like, like my point is, like he's a tiny dude. I'm not trying to be funny. He's just a little dude, and yeah. uh, like he's cute, just a cute little dude. And um, but like. But like and I think that plays into why Ted got bowed up on him like that. It was like it was like that's the exact type of thing that you see in a bar, and then somebody gets punched. I mean, yeah. so like you know, like like that is the first. That's the next step. I don't know if it's the first step or the third step, but it is a step in a fight in a bar. You know, somebody bows up and gets like aggressively in somebody else's face. And if Mick did something like that, he should be immediately thrown out. And if we can all agree on that, why is it okay for Ted Valentine to do that to Mick? It's not okay. So a few things. One, it's not okay whatsoever. And really, there should be it, one. There's, it's not going to happen. Valentine, I don't think, is, is going to receive any sort of reprimand because uh, coaches apparently really think that he calls a fair whistle. That for all of his uh, hamming it up, and he's you know he's nicknamed TV Ted Valentine because he does things knowing that he's on television and and whatever. Um, they still like him calling the game because they think he is one of the better officials. Regardless of that, you're right. Uh, if if Mick had done it, it would have been a serious issue. Uh, but and also I, I want to bring up the fact that Mick in the post game told ESPN that you know what Valentine would never do that to Patino Shashevsky, and he's obviously exactly was, um, right. McCrone is not, but true, yeah. thing. like obviously McCrone is not Mike Krzyzewski, but that does not matter. Like it, it, it doesn't matter if he's a D three coach in his first year and he's twenty five years old. You can't do that to any sort of coach. It's completely inappropriate. And for us wanting this to change for next year, I did want to make a point. So, uh, my man Rick Bird heads up the rules committee. This is actually an off year, so we're we're only supposed to get rule changes that will directly affect. Uh, health and safety and this isn't one of those so we might have a situation where this i think it will change i don't think it will change until the season after next because that's when the rules committee in the same way that it had changes for officials this year with the hand checking it also actually there is a point of emphasis this year for officials to to have coaches stay in the coaches box i don't think that's been uh, a success or if it's, you know, I just don't think there's been too many instances where we've seen uh, officials have really gone out of their way to, to make that a point of emphasis. So I'd love to see the change. The calendar says it's not going to happen until going into the 2015-2016 season. Yeah, and I, I think Mick is exactly right about that. It wouldn't happen to Rick Pitino. But I, I think also, and that's why I was uh, uh, commenting on, on Mick's uh, size, uh, I, I don't. I think on a larger, like you, you think he, you think Ted Valentine would have jumped in John Thompson the Third's face, no, or or or, or or uh, Greg McDermott's face. You know, like right. uh, like I, I think I think the I think that that Mick isn't Rick Pitino or Mike Shashevsky is one part of it. I think that Mick is a relatively small man was also a part of it. You just don't bow up in some like who's a big who's a big basketball coach? Uh, Wayne Tinkle. Wayne Tinkle, like Bob, yes. Huggins is, Bob Huggins is pretty. Oh big. yeah, okay. Let's go Hugs because he is big. Hugs a big. And he's, dude. he's also terrifying. So you think <laughs> you think there's any scenario under which Ted Valentine bows up on Bob Huggins like that? Uh, I don't think anybody's bowing up. Zero. On Bob you think he? You think he'd bow up on John Calipari? No, uh, no chance. No yeah. chance. So, so like, why it's why it's okay. Answer is it's not okay, and it should have never happened. You should face a reprimand or a punishment. But I'm telling you, no, and, that, and yeah, and that to me, that's independent of of the fact that Ted's a good referee. Like you can yeah, say, yeah, yeah. like you can say Ted's a good referee. 
But he should be reprimanded for doing what he did. Just like Jim Beheim's a great coach, but he should be reprimanded for doing what he did, you know, running on the court, in, you know, the way he ran on the court at Cameron. And so uh, I think these things are mutually exclusive. You, you, you can say um, Ted Valentine's a great official. I, I think he should work the Final Four. He, he, that was a bad look for him. And, uh, and, 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 and in my opinion, an unacceptable uh, reaction from him. Like, you, he should be above it. If you want to tee the coach up for yelling at you, tee him up. But you tee him up and walk away. You don't bow up on him. So I, I, I'm with you. I don't think anything's going to happen. Uh, but but I, I do think that it that it should. Um, remember, you're listening to the Ion College Basketball Podcast, brought to you by Squarespace, where you can easily create your own professional website or online portfolio. You know, Squarespace is constantly improving its platform with new features, new designs, and even better support. They have beautiful designs for you to to start with and, and all of the style options you need to create a unique website for you or your business. Squarespace is, is obviously easy to use, but they still have an amazing support team available 24-7. And the whole thing starts at just $8 a month. So you can start a free trial with no credit card re- required, uh, which means you could theoretically start building your, your website today. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code FUN to get 10% off and to show your support for the Island College Basketball Podcast. That's FUN. Uh, over at squarespace.com. Um, Michigan State took a, another loss this weekend. I think they've now lost six of their last 11. Um, their six, inj- of last six, six of the last 10, okay? Their um, injury situation is, is well documented. Um, but still, injured or not, um, injured or not, you – you you probably got to handle Illinois at home, don't you? I mean, what? Uh, are, I are, think so. Are we done? Are we done with them as a serious national title threat, or is it? Listen, it's Tom Izzo. Don't don't ever rule it out. I think as long as Keith Appling is continuing to be hurt and playing like this, I don't think they're a national title contender because he, the way he's playing, he's a he's a mediocre point guard when his his wrist is bothering him. But I don't really know what they could do. I mean, resting him, I don't know what that would do. I mean, you know, obviously he's not going to have surgery right now because there's you know, two weeks after the regular season uh, before the tournament. But, you know, they can't, to me, win four games with him playing the way he is. He's just, he kind of facilitates everything. And even when they had other injuries, he was kind of the guy that, um, you know, made up for it, made big plays, uh, you know, just boosted everyone. And now he's not playing well. You know, they are almost better with Travis Trice on the floor right now. And to me, you know, that's not, you know, a Final Four worthy team when, when Appling's playing the way he is and he has to be on the bench. I am really starting to doubt this team can reach the final four. I can't even believe I'm saying that because uh, I really <laughs> three weeks ago, I still would have picked them over anyone. Again, the requisite and mandatory in parentheses, if fully healthy to win it all. Uh, we are now going on six weeks of inconsistency with Michigan State. GP mentioned on last week's podcast, they were ping ponging win loss, win loss, win loss. Well, now they've actually dropped two in a row and haven't won two in a row since January 21st get a home game against Iowa in theory they should win but they just lost to Illinois so uh anything is possible and then they go at Ohio State who I don't like at all at this point uh overall you know what I I can I can see Michigan State making the Elite Eight and people right there don't doubt Tom Izzo columns again because it seems to happen every three or four years and obviously they still have talent but this is uh this is way concerning. Don't shoot free throw. Don't get to the line nearly as enough enough as they should. Uh, aren't handling the ball as well. Appling's wrist is a serious issue, as Borzello brought up. So I still think it's one of the 
in a weird way, like Kentucky, like it's one of the 10 most talented teams in the country, but the injuries seem to have affected this team's ability to, to gel and really, uh, and really come together as one going forward. I, now that we're in March, you know, it's March 3rd. I, I don't know if, uh, if they're able or capable of winning even three in a row at this point against good, good competition. At some point you are what you are. Right. And, and I think continue to say, you know, if Michigan State's healthy is a little silly. Like it's March third, they're not going to be healthy. They're not going to be healthy. And yeah, even Tom yeah. Izzo has said that. Said that you know, yeah. like he said that a week ago. Like this is what we are. And um, uh, listen, I, I don't guess that I would I would ever rule out a Tom Izzo coach team. Like you can you can really look dumb trying to do that. Um, but there's nothing that's happened in the past month that makes you think this is an elite basketball team. I, I'm not even sure that they're a you know a good basketball team at, at this point. I mean, Illinois is. Uh, you know, uh, they're not good. You know, like they, they've had a bad year. Uh, you know, they, they're not fighting for a place on the bubble. Like they, that's been um, eliminated uh, for the, you know, barring a miracle a while ago. And yet they just, they just go, you know, walk into East Lansing and, and, and knock, knock one out. I, again, this is, uh, I, I'm shocked by this. And so if we're, if we're talking about biggest disappointments in the country and we're pegging that on Kentucky, I, th- I think that's fair. And, you know, while recognizing Michigan State's injuries um, have played a role in, in them living up to not living up to expectations and, and the biggest role, honestly. Uh, but still, in a, in a bottom line business, um, even when you're injured, you should be able to handle Illinois at home. To, yeah. to, to lose that one is baffling to me. No, it's it's a uh, it's a serious issue. And now the Big Ten. Uh, does does it, Wisconsin is that the national? I I I don't. I don't think they. Ha- I don't. I don't think they have a national title contender. I'm a national title the, contender. I mean, overall, no. that you know what? Like, I'm I'm not a huge fan of judging a league based off its NCAA tournament performance based on the one and done nature, small sample size, look at the season, all that stuff. It will be interesting though to see how many teams get to the second weekend because Iowa finally ended a three-game losing streak, but it needed all it had to beat Purdue at home on Sunday. Ohio State dropped a game at Indiana. Indiana fans know you're not yet on the bubble. you got more work to do, in my opinion. I know you have some solid wins. But overall, I mean, the Big Ten's – it's still one in Kempom, but I don't think it's the big, best league by any means. And I well, then what would find be? myself – Big 12. I would say the yeah. Big 12. It's going to get more bids. Uh, I think it's got better teams at the top and top to bottom, even though the Big 10 obviously has more teams. I would, I would take the Big 12 over the Big 10. You wouldn't? I, I think I would. I don't know that I would. Um, like, I think Kansas, Kansas is a title contender. I think Iowa State is a Final Four contender. Um, well, like, I, if you're going to cut – listen, nobody loves Iowa State more than I love Iowa State. That's right. But if you're going to call Iowa State a Final Four contender, I mean, how can you not call Wisconsin one? Yeah, no, no. I, I, I would I mean, say I, both I think are. Iowa State's better. That's why. <laughs> Oh, yeah. or, or 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 Michigan? Like, listen, I, I mean, Final Four contender—that's a pretty loose definition. Like, that's I think I mean, there's I, probably 25 teams that are Final Four contenders this here, year. Here's the thing: I think about the Big Twelve. I think they, I think, I think the Big Twelve's rigged the system this year, not intentionally. Uh, I think they've all gotten to the top 50 of the RPI, and then they just feed off of each other. So, like, every win, every other win you get, the top 50—not actually more than that. You know, most of the wins you get are quote top 50 wins. But I think Kansas and Iowa State are really the only quote good teams in that league. I mean, I'm not that high on Texas. Like, all those teams at home, they look really good. You know, That's we- exactly right. I, I, I could see a scenario where Kansas and Iowa State are in the Sweet 16 and everybody else is gone. Yeah. Like, uh, I, think, I think... Yeah, that goes to what we were talking about before. I mean, second round is going to be a coin flip. In the Big Ten, I could just see Wisconsin and maybe Michigan in the second weekend, and it wouldn't be a shock. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're pretty close. I don't know. I like the Big 12 a little more. Nebraska, unfortunately, is is, uh, is probably out of it now. Um, but Minnesota is going to try and squeak in. Uh, Ohio State, man. Jeez. That team's... How are you going to lose? How are you going to lose to Indiana without Noah Vonley? Like, uh, like, go win the game. It was so bad, dude. I mean, oh, and it wasn't even like they just lost at the buzzer. Like, they just got... They were basically beat the whole routine. game. It was yeah. routine for Indiana. Um, uh, uh, just... If you've got the guts to put Ohio State in the second weekend, uh, I, I envy your life because you must be one hell of a risk taker. I just... It just doesn't... Team has no they offense. Can't score. They can't yeah, it's just ugly, man. It's just, it's just ugly overall. So... I'm just I'm generally curious to see what the Big Ten does because Wisconsin seems to be the the most solid team and in the past um, you know they've had really good teams that have have flopped in the tournament. I'm not saying that'll happen this year. I'm just saying there's a there's a precedent there. So that that'll be one league that'll be interesting to follow come bracket time. Talking about the top of league, so uh, listen, I like Kansas and Iowa State a lot. I like Wisconsin a lot. I think Michigan could also get to a Final Four. I, I think maybe those two leagues. And then, you know what, let's just to be safe, let's keep Michigan State in that conversation as well. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't want to get Izzo'd in a, in a month. Um, but So I think maybe between the two of them, they've got you know, five uh, legitimate Final Four contender, contenders where you could, you could pencil them into the Final Four and not look stupid doing it. You know, the Big 12 has two. Big Ten probably has two, but let's let's add Michigan State to the list with an asterisk beside it. Um, the ACC top of the ACC is better than all of that, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the, you could see Virginia, Syracuse, or Duke, and maybe even North Carolina. The way they're to, playing, yeah, going to a Final Four, couldn't you? So, like, I, I think for a while we've been debating best league in the country is a Big tw- Ten or Big Twelve, and I'm not even listen. I know we can all look at the computer ratings and see what they say, but if you're talking about the top of the league, which is what people typically focus on. Um, is there any league that's better at the top than the ACC? I don't think any league has more quality wins among its top four teams in the ACC. I would not think. Um, yeah, Carolina. Carolina. If we did, if we did, if we did, the ACC might have four top four seeds. I don't right. know if any other yes. league will have that. Yeah, like no. if we were going to do an ACC Big Twelve challenge, ACC Big Ten challenge, and just do the top four against the top four, we all take the ACC, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I would. Theory, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's after that, I mean, the, the, the reason people don't like the ACC this year is because the bottom of the league is terrible. But well, the bottom I, of the league, I, a lot of leagues are terrible, and that's actually why I like the Big Twelve because it doesn't have much of a bottom that's all that bad. But um, nice yeah, but I mean, honestly, after that, it's what you know: Pittsburgh, Clemson, Florida State. These are fringe yeah. bubble teams that are just not that inspiring overall. So it's it's heavy at the top, and then after that, it's just a it's just a it's a mess of it's a big bowl of wrong basically. So. Um, no, I mean it's it's interesting at least. I mean Carolina can get a four seed very easily with its non-conference. Yeah. When you really look at what UNC has done, um, this is not a polarizing team. This is not a uh, schizophrenic team. No, they're good. They've straight up they've reeled off wins for more than a month now. And uh, when you look at what they did in the non-conference, combining that with the win over Duke, uh, there's not going to be a lot of teams that are going to be too far ahead of them, barring a Carolina collapse when it comes to seeding. So I would expect a number four seed, a five at worst, if you're a, if you're a Heels fan at this point. And uh, it's one of the few teams, I think, that is, is relatively uh, secure in the window that it's headed toward. Now, it's interesting we could have uh, a Kentucky team that's, again, still probably more talented than anybody else in the country playing a one seed maybe in the round of 32 and a Carolina team that's beaten the top four teams in the preseason AP poll playing a one seed like in the sweet 16. 
Like, yeah. you know, like that. Those are tough spots for the ones, man. I, I just think when you're a one, like you work for four months to, to to put together this resume, and the idea that you might have to look across in the round of 32 and see Kentucky or the Sweet 16 and see Carolina, that's a tough deal. Like you can look across and go, we've we've had the better year, or else we wouldn't be in this position. But my God, they might be better than us. I mean, you might be seeing Michigan State in that in the, yeah. in the uh, Sweet 16, and like I mean, and giving Izzo four or five days to prepare for you. I don't care how injured they are. You know, that's that's still a, a yeah. tricky proposition. It's gonna be. Par- yeah. yeah. Parish side quick note. I did want to ask you this on the podcast. Um, I don't think I'm against it, but I was curious why you had San Diego State six spots below Kansas when it won at Kansas beat Creighton has three losses and its two most recent losses were on the road, one to a decent New Mexico team. I just I wondered if 13 for SDSU might have been a little too low. It might be low, uh, I, I guess. But when's the last time they beat anybody any good? Yeah, no, I know. I just didn't know if you were if you were measuring that versus overall resume and how those balance out. That was the only one in the rankings when I looked at it that really stood yeah. out. And you've got Creighton ahead of them, but I, I think Creighton's a better team than San Diego State. Sure. So, and I think they're both better. I overall. think they're both better. It right. Just, it was just the gap that was. There. I think for a while San Diego State was. I think they were twenty-one and one. I think that's how they started. They were twenty-one and one with a win at Kansas and a neutral court win over Creighton and a lone loss by single digits at home to Arizona. Like, that was the body of work. And to me, like, that body of work is is undeniable, right? Like, you just, you know, they and they continued to beat every bad team that, that was placed in front of them. And, and so if you're going to look at Wichita State and say, hey, they can only play the teams that are in front of them, and as long as they keep beating them, I'm going to keep ranking them up there, then I, I decided to have the same approach to San Diego State. I almost didn't think about whether I thought San Diego State was really one of the top five teams in the country. I just said, listen, when you're 21-1, and win at Kansas, beat Creighton, loan loss by single digits to Arizona, um, I'm going to I'm gonna rank you where that body of work says you ought to be ranked. Uh, since then, they, they've got blown out at Wyoming. Uh, not blown out, but they, they, they were down big and, and, and ended up losing at Wyoming, a team that's 115th in the RPI, so that's a sub-100 loss. And then they got blown out uh, at New Mexico. And I actually don't think there's anything embarrassing about getting blown out at New Mexico. I think New Mexico could handle most you know, teams there. But um, I guess once you start taking blowout losses and losses to sub-100 teams, which is what San Diego State has done in the past, uh, I don't know, three weeks, um, then I-, I think you start to look at the entire resume and go, okay, when's the last time you beat anybody any good? When's the last time you beat anybody in college basketball that we would call any good? At at, at best, it would be a road win at Boise, you know. Like, yeah. and that's still like, what does that mean exactly? Like, I, I get it, you know, Boise's fine, but it's you know, uh, beyond that, the last time they beat a, a, a the last time they beat a team that'll be in the NCAA tournament was January fifth, and some of that is schedule induced, but uh, even beyond that, you know, they it's not like they. It's one thing when you can look at Wichita State and say, when's the last time they beat anybody any good? And you say, hey, when's the last time they lost? They don't lose. They, they, you know, maybe, they, maybe they lose if they play people good, but, but they don't lose, period. And so you can sort of counter any argument with that. But it's hard, to, it's hard to, to, to pound your chest about never beating good teams when you're also losing to, in, at least in Wyoming's case, an, an inferior team. And so uh, I think the resume now looks up. Uh, even though it's only got two losses more than it had at the time, and one of those losses is a completely reasonable loss, 
um, at New Mexico. And maybe the Wyoming loss is reasonable as well. Um, but the, re- the resume looks vastly different. And I, I, I start to view it a different way. I and, mean, if you, if you compare the resume to all the teams in between them and Kansas, you know, it's, I mean, I, w- I would agree with you. I don't think a resume is better than Michigan's or Creighton's. Like, those teams have a lot of, either a lot of good wins or, in Creighton's case, you know, two blowouts over Villanova and some other good wins. So, you know, 13 to me around a, a, a four seed right now is, Kind of deserving. For yeah, them. like I'm a big like, I, like if you never lose to bad teams, like I think that's worth something. We've talked about this on this podcast. Yes, but once you, absolutely. but once that is gone from your resume, like once you can no longer say, "Hey, we haven't lost to anybody bad." Well, then I, the, to then I start looking. Okay, well then who have you beat? And you go, "Wow, they haven't beat anybody really since January 5th. Well, now what are you? You know, yeah. and and honestly. Um, I don't. I don't know where San Diego State will be ranked in the AP poll or coaches poll, but where, where do I have them again? Thirteenth? Is that what you said? Yeah, thirteenth. I bet you that's higher than where they actually are. Should be. You know, like in terms of quality of basketball team. Yeah, and that's basically why you have Kansas where they are because all of its losses. I mean, its worst loss is at Colorado when Colorado was better than Colorado is now. Right. It had Dinwiddie. So. I think that's yeah. the same way. In, in uh, obviously it's different, but in terms of bubble stuff, I think that's why Pittsburgh's never really be considered, you know, on the bubble by most people because they've never lost anyone that bad. I mean, it's it's all right. top they just never beat points. anyone good. They just yeah, have, but like yeah. 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 I mean, what I what I love when I look at things and like sometimes people get skewed. I don't even know if this is the place to talk about this, but people like really focus on top one hundred wins. Like they go, hey, we got fifteen top one hundred wins. I never look at top one hundred wins. Because I don't think top 100 wins means anything. Like, right, because you could be bulking up 70 to 100 in that. That's what Kentucky did. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, ele- has like 11 wins against Considering it. that, you know, only once ever has an at large team been 70 or lower, it was like, what, New Mexico? Yeah, so I don't win. care about top yeah, 100. It doesn't matter, right. I look at top 50 wins, and I realize these lines are arbitrary, but as people say, well, why do you look at, at, at top 50? Well, because it's broken down like that. Yeah. In the RPI, like it's very yeah, easy yeah. to look at, and 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 so like I'll look at top fifty ish type wins, and then I'll look at losses outside of the top fifty. Like that's what I focus on. So when I look at your resume, so so what I like more than anything when I look at teams, I like great wins. Like I I'm a yep. I'm a sucker for great wins. Secondly, I like teams without bad losses. But when you start to have a lack of great wins, and you are also taking bad losses. Then I, you know, I, my opinion of you changes, and and that's what happened at San Diego State. I could I could ignore the fact that they only have two top fifty wins, when they also only had a loss to the number one team in the country by single digits, but now they've added a a, a New Mexico blowout, and a Wyoming loss, and so then you go okay, so they've got and again they're, they're not like New Mexico is really good, particularly in that building, um, but they do have a loss outside of the top one hundred now, and so you go okay, it's it's a team that. You can't say they never lose to anybody bad because they have, and you can't say they got all these great wins because they have two, but none of them's come in the past, you know, two months. Um, I, I just think the resume looks different. I bet you this: if you were to call Vegas and ask them to forget resumes, just tell me who's the best team in the country, San Diego State probably wouldn't be top twenty. Ooh, interesting. I bet. Uh, where are they in Kimpom? Where's San Diego State in Kimpom? Uh, Which is essentially the same thing as what in we're Sag- in Sagarin. They're twenty-five. Yeah. And Ken Palm, Ken Palm, they're 28. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. I, I think you could argue that I've got them overrated. You know? Yeah, you know what? That's a, that's I, a valid point there. Interesting. Yeah, I, I wanted to give a little West Coast love. No, I understand. I Listen, and I love San Diego State, right? But, um, and, like, I had them ranked according. But I, I guess this. People would always ask me because they stood out. Like, how, do you really think San Diego State's the fourth best team in the country? And I would say, I don't know. But they have a win at Kansas, a win over Creighton, and the lone loss 
through like 22 games was a, a single digit loss to Arizona. Like, I don't care who you're talking about. If that's your resume, win over Creighton, win at Kansas, lone loss to Arizona, that's a great resume. But that resume has changed. Now it has a loss to New Mexico and a loss to Wyoming. And, and that, um, you know, that, that, that puts them in the teens, I, I, I think, uh, I think reasonably. But, uh, but still, hell of a job, like, right? If you're sitting here with three yeah, losses, no March 3rd, three losses at San Diego State in this year? Against that, yeah, against especially the, ridiculous. Especially what they were supposed to be, yeah. Yep, ridiculous. Absolutely. I mean, keep in mind, if we go back to preseason, you would have gone, okay, you're going to lose to Kansas, going to lose to Creighton, going to lose at Boise, lose to Marquette on a neutral. They're supposed to be fourth in the league. They're going to be better next year. At least like, they should be. Lose at New crazy. Mexico, lose to Arizona. Like, you might have projected them to have eight, nine losses at this point. Mm-hmm. And that they're sitting there only with three. So, like, as we're sitting here arguing uh, whether or not San Diego State is overrated uh, relative to where their resume or underrated is right now, uh, make sure everybody understands that th- where this team was supposed to be on paper relative to where it is. I guess we could sort of uh, wrap this all back around. If we started by Kentucky's biggest disappointment in the country, San Diego State might might reasonably be the biggest surprise. Yeah. Outside of no one ever thinking Wichita State would go undefeated, yes, I would agree. Yeah, that's fair. All right, let's finish this up with three things we're looking forward to uh, this week. Before the weekend, uh, brought to you by Squarespace, I went and looked at the uh, schedule. Uh, Louisville at SMU on Wednesday. The Mustangs have already handled Memphis, UConn, and Cincinnati uh, at home. They're going to handle Louisville as well, Barzello? I think so. I mean, I, I, lo- I love SMU. I think they're a, a deep sleeper um, in the NCAA tournament just because their defense – you know, they have a lot of length and size inside. Their guard play is getting better. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think they're going to beat Louisville. I think it's going to kind of open people's eyes some more about how good SMU is and, and how good, you know, Larry, uh, the good the job that Larry Brown's done there. Uh, Norlander, you think, uh, like, Louisville's obviously coming off a loss at Memphis. And, yeah, you know, I got uh, I got Louisville winning on the road. I like SMU. I think Nick Moore is, is really solid. I, I really like what he does. Kind of an undersized point guard, but a, a good distributor and a, a really nice shooter. Um, I'm still kind of high on Louisville overall. Um, you saw him in person, obviously, over the weekend. That they didn't really have awesome energy game. early. They looked really bad early, and then they obviously looked really bad. Yeah, late. yeah, and Harrell is... Oh God, he was he was, uh, he was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, oh, he he, he was unbelievable. Like, yeah. and like if he's knocking down jumpers, and I recognize that's not his game, but if he's knocking down jumpers, like he, I don't know what you do with him. I mean, he was just yeah. Tri- no, he made, he made himself some money. I mean, he was <clears> the only thing I would do is I would tell him he's not allowed to pass anymore. Um, every yeah. time he he would pass, it like was a bad situation. Like he's he would not like I would have a rule uh, impl- like uh, you're not allowed to pass. You shoot or or dunk, but yeah. you, when you get the ball, you don't pass because, particularly interior passing, like he maybe you could throw it back out the rust if you wanted to, but he kept trying to like dribble and then like make make like you know the, the interior passes or cross court pad just a disaster. So um, I'd work on that, I guess. But other than that, he was just uh, terrific. I actually think they'll go to SMU and win. I do, but only, if really? only because I don't think they're going to lose two games in a row. Yeah, I, 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 I think they just got caught. And the truth is, like, they had Memphis beat, and then Memphis closed on a 15-1 to run. Like, they had that game. I don't – like, I guess they didn't have it won because they didn't win it, but they were up seven with, like, three and a half minutes to go. I mean, they, that game was theirs, and then Memphis just uh, – you know, Louisville collapsed on some level, and Memphis took advantage in, in front of a, you know, a, a, a crowd that was – you know, that, that's a tough place to, to win. Despite UConn and Cincinnati winning there this year, that's um, – uh, it's still a, a, a tough a tough place to win. Villanova at Xavier is Thursday. Wildcats probably um, the least talked about 26-3 and three team in, in yeah. history, maybe. Uh, they going to get caught at Xavier? I think they might. 
I think uh, so. I'm, I'm not. I'm not as high on on Villanova as a lot of people are, just because I can't really get those two losses, blowout losses to Creighton, out of my head the way they defended. But you know, Xavier's playing really well right now on their home court. A win there would obviously you know punch their ticket to the dance and maybe move them up to in an eight seed range. And um, you know, I think Samaje Christian. I think he doesn't get enough attention nationally, and and a big game there could uh, you know. It could get him more on the national scene. I hate it uh, when people say that. By the way, he doesn't. <laughs> like, no, you're right. But like, like uh, our buddy Jeff Goodman, like he's always tweeting about so underrated nationally. Well, we're the national writers. <laughs> like, like whose fault is that? Like, if you think somebody's underappreciated nationally, just write about them, right? Yeah, that's no, fair. Right? Like, I'll, I'll write about Samaje Christian <laughs> right. every week next year. Aren't we the people responsible for that? It just seems crazy. It's, it's like it's, it's the almost... writers, and you don't see them. On, I think it's it's that, and then the TV thing. And the TV thing, right? TV but it's like it's yeah. almost like John Calipari saying, um, "You know, my, my basketball team's just not playing well." Well, dude, it's you're the, you're the coach. Make them play well. So, like, what... uh, there is a, a kind of a trap game for Xavier. Maybe if you want to call it that, at Seton Hall tonight, and then they close up with Nova. Um, get it done tonight. And then you win Nova, you're a lock. Uh, Xavier would be if they, no matter they. I mean, they could drop their. First I think, they're, I think they're in good shape now. Just that win over. They crazy. are. They're in very good shape. I'm saying, like, if they lost to Seton Hall, lost to Nova, they wouldn't. Like be they, as good. they like, won't. They won't sweat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and by the way, just a quick Nova note: they set a school record for regular season wins by getting to 26, which is lower than I would have expected that Me program's too, yeah. record to be. But doing that, they uh, they got that Sunday good on them, and yeah, as of right now, two seed. Believe it. Crazy. And then the third thing I'm looking forward to uh, that actually gets started before the weekend, the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. I think it gets started on Thursday. Um, I'm going to be there Sunday for the title game. Um, I'm actually going to Doug McDermott's Senior Day on Saturday and then waking up bright and early on Sunday morning going to St. Louis for the NBC title game. So Fred Van Vliet, if you're listening, do not lose before uh, Sunday because I, I, with all due respect to Indiana State and Bradley, I don't really need to be covering an Indiana State Bradley game on uh, on Sunday. Bradley, Bradley, Bradley. So, so negative about it. <laughs> no, I like I like Bradley fine, but like uh, you. Get yeah, I don't want to see them in the title game either. Mm-hmm. Right. Any chance that Wichita gets tripped up? No, I, I don't think, think so. I don't if they had a bunch of close games in the regular season, I could see it, but right. they've been steamrolling teams lately. Uh, I just don't see it. Well, you know. one, you're probably going to get. Uh, McDermott cracking 3,000, Gary. Um, he'd have to have a stinker uh, before that, so that's pretty cool. And then as for the Valley, uh, yeah, no, I think they're going to get there. It would be juicy and interesting if they mirrored what St. Joe's did a decade ago when they lost in the league tournament. But uh, there is zero indication that's going to happen with how the Shockers have just been steamrolling. Only six games decided by single digits all year. Only one of those was less than five points. So, of course, it's possible. Anything is possible, as Kevin Garnett told us all all those years ago. But uh, I think you should be pretty safe at least getting to Sunday with Wichita State and then obviously having a chance to uh, see the latest iteration of history with them. And I actually think the, the sort of the Wichita backlash actually helps keep them focused. Like that whole play angry, you know, uh, yeah, this you know attitude. Yeah. Oh, it does. Like this is so easy for Greg Marshall. Like to keep – typically when a team is undefeated this late in the year, and, and like, you know, it never happened. So there, I guess there's nothing typical about any of this. Um, but – but you you would have to worry about them, you know, being patted on the back. You always hear coaches like, ah, oh, they were reading their press clippings, as if anybody has press clippings anymore. They, they cut them out of the newspaper, right? Uh, but you hear that a lot. Oh, well, they were, you know, they were. People were telling them how good they were. With yeah. Wichita, it's so weird. People are telling them how good they're not, and so um, I, I think it makes it. I don't want to say simple for Greg Marshall, but. 
but simpler than it would otherwise be to keep everybody grounded and focused because um, all you got to do is, is, is turn on anything or read any sort of message board or, or blog, and it's, there's somebody there questioning Wichita State. Like if I just went right now and tweeted, Wichita State's really good, I would have, I would have 100 people telling me why they're not. You know, and I think that's pretty. It makes it pretty easy for Greg Marshall to keep uh, the team, the team focused. So I'd be, I'd be surprised as well if uh, if they slip up. It should be a fun week. Should be a, a fun weekend. All right, well let's get out of here. I do appreciate uh, Matt Norlander and Jeff Porzello hanging out with me on this Monday. All you guys for listening. Remember subscribe uh, to the Iron College Basketball Podcast. It's on iTunes. You can get each episode. Uh, earlier than all of the normal people in the country uh, by doing that. So make sure to go subscribe over on iTunes. And uh, either way, I will talk to you a little later on this week. Take care.